0: Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Royal Priesthood by Stu Miller. We're doing a series, um, like Pastor Sean said, on um, reaching out this month. And so it's really been interesting hearing um, the prophecies come this morning, and what Sean spoke this morning about being heirs in Christ and the responsibility that also takes. And uh, vessels for him, and what was the other one about new creations in Christ? Because um, I'm actually talking, why is that going through two two slides? There we go. Let's start with the first one. Hopefully, this won't bug me the whole time I'm preaching. Um, First scripture I've got here is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And he himself called some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up, or for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, that's an interesting scripture, isn't it? Because um, when we look at these things, when we think of Pastor Sean here in the church, we don't think, Pastor Sean, we pay him the money, he does all the work, right? Right? You do think that? (laughs) We put our money in the pot, we pay him. Doesn't he have to do all the pastoring? Well, his role as a pastor is what? To equip the saints for the works of ministry. Likewise, the apostles and and the teachers and the pastors and the evangelists. The role of the evangelist isn't to do all the evangelism. The role of the evangelist is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. It's to equip others to how to share the gospel. Because these are things that we all should be doing as a church, and we need to be equipped. And there was a time in history where, uh, we, you know, uh, particularly in mainline denominations and in the, in the Catholic church throughout history, there's been the priest, and the priest is up the front, and the priest is the elevated one. And there's an elite status in being in full-time ministry, and you're the ones that do all the work. But we know that that's something called the priesthood of all believers, and it's always been around. But it was really brought to the forefront in the Reformation, wasn't it? The yeah. priesthood of all uh, yeah. believers, you know, because Second Corinthians five twenty says, "Now then, we are what? Yeah. Ambassadors yeah. for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be be reconciled to God. What are we? Who's we? He's writing to the church in Corinth, right? We're the church, aren't we? So we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ to our world. We're new creations in Christ. We're heirs of Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, as though God were pleading through us, as we go out our day-to-day lives, God wants to plead through through you, and through you, and through you, and through you. What? What's our message? On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We have a calling by God to be as ambassadors and to plead with people to be reconciled with God. Now that's the gospel message is all about reconciliation with God. We're sinners. we are broken as lords. One day we'll stand before a holy God and we'll be judged. Jesus has come and paid the punishment for every rotten thing that you and I have done wrong. He's made a way possible to come to him, to be forgiven and to live our lives reconciled to God in relationship with him forever. That's good news, isn't it? That's why the gospels called good news. This is the message that we're called to proclaim. And this last scripture here, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. For we, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you in, out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. As we share our testimonies of how God's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light, as we share this message of reconciliation with the world, we can see other people come out of darkness into light as well. Now it's wonderful to say that we're heirs of Christ, but remember Pastor Sean just said that there's a condition that goes with that. And again with this, you know, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We'd love to stop there, wouldn't we? <laughs> But we're called to do something with that, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light, his wonderful light. Now, as an ambassador for Christ, you, you cannot be an ambassador if you were the ambassador for Australia in another nation. You can't just hide away in your house. You're representing the nation, right? You're front and centre at all the major things that you represent Australia for. You are the person that represents the country. You're the ambassador. You're there to declare. Are you not? And we cannot be secretive Christians. You know that Colin Buchanan song? There's no such thing as an invisible believer. You know that one? Anyway, you don't know enough kids songs, obviously. Um, But it's true. You can't be an invisible believer. We've got a calling to be ambassadors for him. We're a royal priesthood. Just like I was saying about the, the priests are elevated, or oh, they're the elite ones. That, do you know what? You are a priest. You are a priest. You are a priest. You are a priest. We are all priests, right? And not just priests, we are royal priests. Well, how does that work? Well, when we're looking at the children of Israel, right back from the beginning, um, they had a special tribe, that was sort of the elite, if you were in the elite tribe of, 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 um, of the children of Israel, which, which one would it be? The Levites. The Levites, the, the Levites were the, the ones that were called by God, the one, one out of the, the, the 12. If you were in that tribe, you were responsible for, for the temple, right, and for ministering to the people. You were the, the elite of the children of Israel. But above the, the Levites is who? The priests. They were, the, they were very special. But there was one above all of those, the high priest. Now, we t- the Bible tells us that we have a high priest, and his name is? Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. He's the one that gives the instruction. We are royal priests. Now, why are we royal? Because Jesus is a king. Yes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, and we are his priests. So we are sons and daughters of the most high God. We are royalty, and we are priests yes. in his order. Yes. But again, priests had responsibilities darn it. We love being priests. We love all these things that we are in Christ. But then we've got responsibilities that come with it, isn't that? Okay. Um, that's jumping ahead again. But I was going to say, I'm going to put a picture on the screen. I want you to yell out what it is. All right. Church. Okay. What is this next picture? People. Okay. Well, I expected you to put that, and that's why I had the answer come up there, but it's actually not the answer. You've got two out of two wrong this morning. Oh, I didn't realize you were having a test, did you? Okay, what's the first picture? That is a picture of a building. That is not a church. Do you know what the church looks like? That's the church right there. People are the church. A building is not a church. Now, you might say, well, how do you know those people are Christians? Well, you can tell by their smiles. They've got the joy of the Lord. Look at that smile. You can't have a smile like that without knowing Jesus, can you? I'm a little bit doubtful of the second guy from the left. He's not quite as big. I'm, I'm not sure of his salvation. But everyone else, they obviously saved because they've got massive big smiles. But seriously, we are the church, aren't we? That is a building. That is the church. Building. Church, it's working. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go back to the children of Israel. Let's go right back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 26, verse 4, God speaking to Abraham, he says, I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Blessed. Was only God only ever concerned about one group of people in one geographical location on Earth? Did He hate everyone else and just go, "Yeah, yeah, you Israel"? No, He called Israel to be a blessing to the nations, right from Genesis. Now we know prophetically in that scripture the seed is Jesus, because right down the line. But I'm pretty sure when Abraham heard that from God, he wasn't thinking, yep, 24 generations from now, one of my seed, he's going to save the world. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he was thinking, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, we are supposed to be a blessing to the nations. They're supposed to declare. Now, we've uh, just covered this scripture recently, haven't we, Exodus chapter 9? What's this saying? God's speaking, and he says, But indeed, for this purpose, I've raised you up that I may show my power in you. He's saying this to Moses, right? And he says that what my name may be declared in all the earth. The role of the children of Israel was supposed to be evangelists to the world. They're supposed to declare how awesome God was to bring everyone into the family. And that's why you have like the book of Romans, which we've also been going through, where the children of Israel have gone to this elite club where we're God's chosen people and wouldn't bring anyone else in. Sometimes like the Samaritans, they wouldn't even talk to. That's why Jesus told the the, uh, the good Samaritan story, right? He was exposing what was going on. The Book of Romans, a lot of it is talking about how the Gentiles are grafted in, and we're not saved by our lineage, we're saved through faith in Christ. Most of the epistles are trying that any ones that are written to Jewish people are trying to say, Hey, wake up. Even that God can raise up even stones to, to cry out praise to God. It's not about your lineage, it's about faith in Jesus Christ, and anyone on this planet can have it. Now, I'm not into replacement theology, but I'm just saying that we are adopted into, and it's interesting again, Pastor Sean just talked about this this morning, but what we are adopted into the family of God. I'm going to ask five questions about the church this morning, and we are the church, of course, right? Not the building. But what is the church's most valuable asset? Number one, is it our buildings? Well, you're not going to pick that one probably. Is it our reputation? Our reputation, you might think. Mm. Now, obviously, Jesus is our most valuable asset. He's the high priest. But I'm just talking about as the church, right? Um, what about this one? Our pastoral staff. Now we're getting warmer. <laughs> reputation, pastoral staff. Ooh. I'm going I'm to go with pastoral staff. Otherwise, I won't be invited to speak again. Um, and the final one here. Our sound system. Can I have an amen from the media team? Amen. All right. Now, clearly when you're looking at those four things, number four probably is the top of the list. Right? (laughs) But (laughs) people are shaking their heads. But I want you now to do something for me. I want you to get out your phone. Everyone get out your phone. That's it. Can I have some phones? Get out your phone. Pastor Terry and Pastor Lynn, Pastor Liz, can you stand up, please? Because people might want to take a photo of you in this, in this part of the sermon. Right. I want you to take a photo. I want you to go to your, um, your uh, phone. Uh, it's not your phone. To your camera, rather. I want you to take a photo of what you think is the most valuable asset of the church. It might be the building. It might be the pastoral staff. It might be the sound system. It might be anything. Okay? I'm going to give you five seconds to take a picture. One... Two, three, four, five. Okay. Thank you very much. You can sit down. I'm sure you've got lots of, lots of pictures of you taking. What, did you? No? no? Not many. Know. Everyone knows it's a trick, don't they? They go, well, you've already tricked us this morning once, Stu. We're not going to fall for that again. Well, I took a picture earlier. That's a very loving picture, isn't it? A very loving picture. But this is the picture you should have taken, not of me, of you. <laughs> See the pit? There's a finger pointing there. Okay. Um, you are God's love to the world. You are the church's best asset. Why? Because you are the church. You should have hit that little reverse camera button and taken a selfie. Right? You did. Congratulations, you too. Well done. Because you are the church's most valuable asset. Not this building, not our new toilets, not any, you know. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God, heirs in Christ. You are ambassadors for Christ. You are the church's best effort. Here's the second question. What is the church's best marketing strategy? Our All right. And maybe our testimonies. Well, is it Facebook? You can certainly put your, your testimony on Facebook and you can, uh, yeah. Uh, Facebook's a powerful means of, of marketing. YouTube, everything's going to video these days, right? A lot of businesses, a lot of churches are using YouTube to market. Um, advertising, radio, newspaper, not so much these days. TV, imagine if we could get nationwide TV ads about The Rock. What do you reckon? Would that be powerful? We're getting, better, we're getting warmer, aren't we? And the final one, telling people about our sound system. Now, again, you're probably thinking number four. I didn't hear any amen from the media team over there. Amen. All right. But I want you to answer this question. I want you to do something. I want you to get out your phones. (laughs) And I'm not going to get you to go to your camera this time. I want you to go to your photos. Photos. And remarkably, this is a bit of a magic trick I've just done this morning, because if you got the first one right this morning, you have got a picture of the church's best marketing plan in your photos. It's the last photo you took. It's you. Businesses can advertise on Facebook. They can put nationwide TV ads. They can do all sorts of things. But you know what Businesses will always say is their number best marketing ever? is word of mouth. And as a church, we've got a message, haven't we, to proclaim. We want to proclaim how God took us out of darkness into his glorious light. We want to proclaim the message of the gospel on how to be reconciled to God. And who's the best person to do that? You. You are the best person in your family, in your oikos, in your network, with your neighbors. You are the best person to do that. You're the best marketing strategy. Now, what is the church's mission? Is it fellowship? Is it worship? Is it teaching? Is it to get an even better sound system? (laughs) Amen from the media team. Now, again, you're probably thinking it's number four. But when we think of those things, often that's what the church becomes. A lot of these things become ends into themselves rather than a means to an end. Rather, rather than fellowship being a means towards encouraging one another in our mission. Now, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says we should not stop meeting together, as is the manner of some. But what should we exhort one another, encourage one another, even more so as we see the day approaching. Fellowship is incredibly important. The early church were meeting daily in each other's homes. They were taking communion. They were singing worship. They they really valued fellowship, and so should we. But they didn't value fellowship just for the sake of fellowship. Our whole end goal, our mission isn't to fellowship so we can encourage each other to fellowship, so we can encourage each other to fellowship, so we can encourage each other to fellowship. I think you get the picture. It's a means to an end, encouraging each other in what? In the mission of the church. You know... In the New Testament church in Acts, it says that every day from house to house and in the temple, they did not cease teaching and preaching the gospel, Jesus Christ. They met to encourage one another. Why? Because they knew they were going to be going out and sharing the gospel. They encouraged each other. They prayed for one another. They, but it was for a purpose. Worship. We were created to worship God. We were created to give him glory. But worship's not the mission of the church. Because if if it was, Jesus might as well take us now. If that's our end goal, take me to heaven, Lord. I'm ready right now. What what am I doing on this earth? I could be worshiping with the choirs of angels. And as great as the worship team was this morning, can you imagine what it's going to be like in heaven? Do you know what I'm saying? A fellowship, and the sound system's probably going to be better too. (laughs) Fellowship. If fellowship was the end goal, we, we might as well go to heaven right now. We can have sweet, sweet fellowship for all of eternity. But we're here on earth. We've got a purpose. We've got a reason. We've got a mission that we're here. And it's not fellowship, and it's not worship, and it's not teaching. Because, again, teaching, is important as that is, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, What all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness. But well, What's the next verse? That the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What's the good work we're called to do? The mission of the church. Now, the word of God is supposed to be encouraging us to stay on the right track to do what God's called us to do. Do you know you're not going to have your Bible in heaven? Sometimes we can idolize the Bible. I mean, I love the Bible and I think it's it's the final authority for life and doctrine. Amen. We can't go past the Bible, and we've got to have strong biblical teaching. But there's not going to be any Bible in heaven. It's not the end goal. Jesus is the Word of God. We're going to have the Word of God standing in front of us. We don't need to read it from a book. He, he will be there. He is the Word, right? It's all about Jesus. But we've got one chance on here, on earth, to do something that we'll never be able to do when we're in heaven. We're going to be able to fellowship in heaven. We're going to be able to worship in heaven. We're going to be able to listen to Jesus teaching, you know, the the, the word right in front of us. We'll never, ever get another chance to share the gospel. We'll never be able to have another chance to be his ambassador in the foreign place, declaring the goodness of how he took us from darkness to light. We have one chance to reach out on this planet, and it's right now. There's many people who are retired in, in this congregation. Do you know what I love about retired people? When a young person wants to go into ministry or go out sharing the gospel, they need funds. They're spending half their time raising funds because they've, they've got to survive. Retired people often have paid off their house. They're financially secure. They're on a pension. You know, they don't actually need any financial support. And the second thing I like is that they've got time. Now, I know a few people, retired people who go out sharing the gospel. They're like, I'm not going to sit around playing cards. I'm gonna, I've got one chance. I've got an X amount of, you know, limited amount of years left in my life. I'm going to make it count. I'm never going to get another chance at this. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. We have one chance at life. I'm going to invest my time in what matters, in eternity. If you're a retired person sitting here today, don't think, oh man, my life's over. You know, I'm just like biding time until I die and go to eternity. No, you are in the prime of your life. You have opportunity that other people don't have because they've got, you know, four kids that they're trying to bring up and sock up and and the taxiing everywhere and they're they're working full time and they're doing this and that and, and they don't have time to do what you could do. Plus, they don't have the wisdom that you've got. You're in a very unique position. You can make an incredible difference with your life. Don't think my life's over. Your ministry's just starting. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We can't go past the words of Jesus when we're looking at what is the mission of the church. We can think it's all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, Jesus' last words to us are our first priority. And it remains the same today. Now, you might be saying, well, why is it the church's mission? Why? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons. It's the reason Jesus came to earth. Luke 19.10 says what? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to save us, to reconcile us with God. And what are we now? We are his ambassadors pleading with people, like God pleading through us, be reconciled to God. We're doing what Jesus did. We're not dying on the cross. He's paid the punishment, but his whole purpose was to reconcile people with God. And our whole purpose... Is, remains the same. And that makes sense because we're followers of Jesus, aren't we? Yes. What about this one? It's why we're here and not in heaven. Why are we still here? We know there's going to be a coming judgment where the separation of the sheep and the goats, there's the, a the, the final, the, the earth's going to be um, done away with, there's, you know, the, 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 there's going to be a new heaven, and new earth, and we're, and we're going to live in heaven forever with, with Jesus, right? This earth's not going to last forever, right? There is going to come an end one day. Why isn't it now? In Mark chapter 13, it says, and the gospel must first be preached in all the nations or to all people groups in the Greek, right? And then the end shall come. What needs to happen first? The gospel must first be preached in all the nations and then the end might come. Will come. How do we know when we've accomplished that task? Because it's going to be all over. (laughs) The end will come, right? So until the end comes, we've got a job to do. Does that make sense? It's why we're here and not in heaven. We're not just buying time. We don't just go, the Lord just wants me to come to church and sing two fast songs and three slow songs and put my money in the pot. Keep doing that until I die. And that's it. That's my purpose. That's not your purpose. You are the church. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, ambassador for Christ as though God were pleading through you, be reconciled to God. That's your message for those around you. It's the Great Commission, Jesus' last words. And again, interestingly, with the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus finishes finishes it by saying, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And again, that's one of our promises that we love to claim. We love to claim the promises, but we don't always like to enter into the responsibilities of that promise. He's saying, go into all the world, and lo, I'm with you always. People like to claim the promise, but it's saying, hey, if you're not going into all the world with the gospel, don't claim that promise. Now, I'm not saying that God's not with you if you don't. <laughs> but what I am saying is it's a, it's a promise. He's saying, do this and I'm with you as you go. In other words, you are a vessel for me. Do you know First Corinthians chapter 9 says we are what? We are temples of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit lives in us. We don't go alone. When we, we, when we go to share the gospel with someone, we do it with fear and tribulation. I do, and, and you're probably the same. It's not an easy thing to do, but we're as ambassadors. We should, with the Holy Spirit living in us, go, you know what? I want to share Jesus with others. I want other people to come to know him. Now, I know that they may or may not accept, but that's up to them. Yeah, I want to tell them the message. I want to be that vessel of the Holy Spirit within me, empowered, going out. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Okay, it's a great commission. It's in line with the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment. Interesting when Jesus was asked this, you know, there was a man who came along and he said, you know, teacher, he says, what is the greatest commandment of all? Now, I can imagine that the Pharisees of that time had lots and lots of arguments, like we do on Doctrine Today, right? About you know, And, and even the, the disciples at one point, Jesus told them off because they were all arguing about who's the greatest, right? And he says, if you want to be the greatest, and he grabs a child and he says, come as a little child, right? Everyone wants to be the greatest. And they're saying, well, what's the greatest commandment? Now, I'm sure some of them would be saying the first one. The first one's the, the greatest, right? That the, the Lord, your God, the um. Lord, Lord is one. Right? And it's not love the you, Lord your God with all your heart. That's what Jesus actually said, but that was his response to this. So you're right, but the first commandment is to put God first, right? Now, some other people might go, no, 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 it's the fifth, because that's when it changes from the horizontal to the vertical. You know, the first four commandments are about vertical relationship with God. Then the next, next six are about our relationship with other people. You know, how we shouldn't steal, we shouldn't murder, we shouldn't commit adultery, we shouldn't, you know, covet, we shouldn't, you know, lie. That's all about our horizontal relationship, the first four about, about, about And then other people might go, nah, it's the 10th commandment, definitely the 10th commandment, because coveting is the root of all the other commandments. <laughs> it's desiring things you shouldn't have. That's why we, the children of Israel had idols. They desired what the other nations had. They were coveting that, and they turned to idol worship, etc. Now, you can have arguments about this, but I love Jesus and the way that he responds. He, he's so good with his responses when people ask him questions. Jesus says what? He didn't actually quote any of the Ten Commandments. He said, The greatest commandment is this love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it love your neighbour as yourself. In other words, Jesus is saying, What's the greatest commandment? Number one through to four, quickly followed by five through to (laughs) ten. They're all important. (laughs) Love God and love others. Get that right and you sort sorted. But I want to say this. What's the greatest way that we can love God? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. The way to show whether you love Jesus is whether you obey him or not. And what did Jesus say? His final words to us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do you love Jesus? We can say I love Jesus and we can sing songs here in church. But Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. What's the greatest way to love your neighbor? Well, if you realize your neighbor's going to hell and you don't tell them at all, I don't think that's love. I really don't think that's love. That's hate. Do we care about our neighbors? Do we care about the people around us? If we do, if there's a love, then we should declare the gospel message. Does it make sense? What about this one? It matters for all of eternity. These are really good reasons why it's the church's mission. Because it matters for all of eternity. My second favorite scripture in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, For I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but that which is unseen. For that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is Eternal. I love that scripture because that's what it's about. Our lives should be about eternal things and we spend so much of our time on temporal things. And I'm the same. I'm preaching to myself here as well, right? We spend so much time on the temporal and we've only got one chance of investing in an all of eternity. Jesus said, do not store up your treasure on earth where rost, <coughs> rost sorry, rost. Oh, it's almost a rost. I'm, I'm half looking at you. Right? <laughs> I'm actually feeling for you to actually, Roscoe, because, um, you know, when the new heaven and the new earth are created, it says, and there is no more sea. Does that mean there's no surfing? I mean, like, come on, God, what are you doing? I don't understand that scripture. I'm going to have it it out with God myself, but uh, (laughs) there'll be surf, you reckon. Okay. but anyway, um, do not store up your, your treasure in heaven where rust and moth can destroy. But what? Store it up in heaven where nothing can destroy it. In other words, invest in the eternal, not in the temporary. And the final reason I've got there is because if you don't sow, you will not reap. Galatians tells us, unless you sow, you will not reap. It's a biblical principle. We're wanting to see a harvest come in. Don't we want to see many, many people come into the, to the kingdom of God? We want to see revival. We want to see thousands and thousands. You know, we're building a new toilet block there, but we want this here this to become the new toilet block for our new auditorium because we're going to have to buy out all the other businesses around us. You know, for... Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. We want all the churches and everywhere to just be overflowing with people coming to know Jesus. But unless we sow, we're not going to reap. Do you know overseas there's masses and masses of people coming to know Christ? Yeah. In countries where they've spent decades and decades sowing the gospel message and often seeing very little response. But now there's a mighty harvest come. That's right. But it makes sense. If you sow, you reap. If we're not reaping, we've got to ask the question, are we actually have we been sowing? Okay, here's our, my fifth question for you this morning. What is the church's mission statement, like your church's mission statement? Can anyone tell me? Well done, Anna. You should know. Now, as I travel around, it's really interesting. I, I love to look at p- churches' mission statements, and I like to look at their website to see you know, how they come across and everything. I often run preaching in churches and, and running seminars and that sort of thing, and I like to know what their mission statement is. And pretty much I can summarize every, almost every church's mission statement by saying it's some derivative of knowing Jesus and making him known. Most mission statements are like that, and they should be. I just preached down in Melbourne, um, before India, I was in Melbourne, and I preached in the morning and evening service. In the morning service, I asked the pastor what the, the mission statement of his church is. I hadn't, hadn't found it online. And he said, oh, it's, um, it's Matthew 28, 19. I said, oh, that, that's the Great Commission. He said, yeah. I said, but what's your church's mission? No, that is my, our church's mission statement. I said, so you haven't written your own one? Like, this is the first time I've encountered this, right? And, and he goes what, you want us to improve on the words of Jesus? Yeah. So why should we write our own one? We sat around, we were going to write, write a mission statement, and we thought, well, Jesus has already told us our mission. Why don't we just write down what he said? I thought, that's brilliant. But is your church's mission statement, is it practically, substantially, and measurably the actual mission of your church? Because what I find is that Although we've got all these mission statements, in reality, it's not practically, substantially, and measurably the actual mission of the church. It's a statement. It's something we put on our website, something we put on our newsletters. Now, I guess there's a degree that that's happening in every church, but not the degree I think that we would want to as the body of believers, as a whole. And so this, I'm really thrilled that, that Pastor Sean's doing this, this month on reaching out because it's something I think we've got, to, we've got to revisit this every year. We've got to be constantly creating a culture in our church that, you know what? Here at The Rock, we're a church who reaches out to our community. We care about those in our community. We're reaching out in practical ways like a food bank and other ways like that, and we're reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which can transform people's souls for all of eternity. And that's got to be a part. If you're reaching out, that should be celebrated in this place. It should be a normal thing for us as believers to be reaching people for Christ. Yes, the church should be practically doing this, Stuart. Who's the church again? I want you to get out your phones. No. There's a picture of the church right on your phone if you took it of yourself. You are the church. Rather than going, yes, the church should be doing this, I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. Amen? Now, no, no, Stuart, Stuart, you're getting it wrong. I mean the church collectively, not me personally. It's not my gift. I've been offering $1,000 for the last about 15 years, if anyone can find anywhere in the Bible that evangelism is a gift. Not in that. Two big gift chapters, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, it's not in there. It mentions a lot of different gifts. Now, you might be saying to me, but Stuart, I'm an intercessor. Or, I'm a giver. Or, I'm a server. These are what God's called me to do. Or, I'm a sound engineer. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) There's not not much noise coming from the sound box this morning. They're getting a lot of of air time. And no sound. And no sound. (laughs) Don't we need intercessors? Absolutely. If you're called as an intercessor, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. We need to, to, to pray. Prayer is so powerful. Right? But is the intercessors exempt from sharing the gospel? Are they exempt from the command of Christ to share, share him with others? No. If you're a giver, goodness knows we need a givers. As a full-time evangelist for 29 years, we've lived largely on faith that whole time. If there wasn't Christian businessmen who believed that God had called them to make money to invest in the kingdom of God and supported us, how would we be here? It's a genuine partnership. I mean that. You know, we could not do what we're doing without financial support from others. And this church supports us. And I want to say again a big thank you to the church for doing that. You support us and keep us on the road doing what we're doing, right? Now, we need givers, we need intercessors, we need servers, we even need sound engineers. Amen. All right, we've got, to, we've got Russ is coming in for them. Good on you, mate. Right? George Verwer said, the sleeping giant of the church has dropped the ball with respect to the Great Commission. No longer do individual Christians go out in their day-to-day activities and proclaim the gospel. George Verwer is the founder of Operation Mobilization, OM, second biggest missionary organization in the world. And he's saying, look, we've dropped the ball. That our main resource is the sleeping giant of the church. We've got to wake up and go, this is our mission. It's not for the, the missionaries and the pastors and the, the elite people. We are a royal priesthood. We're all called to this. You might be called to be an intercessor, but it doesn't exempt you from evangelism. In any more way that as an evangelist, that I'm called to be evangelist, that exempts me from praying or giving. Well, serving, do I go, oh, I don't need to give, I don't need to serve, I don't need to pray, I'm an evangelist. <laughs> of course not. We're all called to pray, we're all called to give, we're all called to serve, we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share the gospel because we are all ambassadors for Christ. And this is our mission, this is why we're here. Here's a big question for you, how? Do you know what I was going to do today? I thought, reaching out series, I'm going to teach you how to use the G7 app. I'm going to do a little mini training in the middle of a sermon in the church. We'll train everyone up. We haven't got time now. It's eleven o'clock. For those of you who don't know, we've got an app called G7. You can download it. Go to the app store. Little plug here uh, and download. Just type in G7. It's short for Gospel in Seven, and it's a great personal evangelism tool for sharing the gospel. The reality is, though, when I was thinking about today, and I you was know, thinking, "We could do some. We, should, we could do some equipping." Why is this jumping ahead? must be sensitive or something. The reality is that there's only one word that it's going to come down to as to how we do this, and it's that word there. Because I could run a training event here, but if your heart is not in it, it's just wasting my time, and it's wasting your time. The first thing we need is a commitment in our heart to say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to take that responsibility as an ambassador for Christ. I'm going to be his ambassador in the world. I'm going to declare how he took me out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I am going to share the gospel. I'm going to be a part of the mission of the church. And I'm not going to say it's someone else's job. I'm going to take personal responsibility and say, that's me. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to share with my neighbors. I'm going to share with my oikos, my network. It all comes down to this one thing, heart. Heart. Now there's obviously equipping available and if it's really in your heart to do it, I reckon you'll find it because there's heaps available. You can go to our website, Train to Reclaim website. You can download the app. You can do it. There's a number of ways you can do it. We've got tracks. We've got cards we can give out. There's heaps of ways. I've talked to you many times in the past that all these different ways we can do, you know, we can share and get the message out there. The question is, is it in your heart? If it's in your heart, it'll happen. And equipping, I think there's three things that we need. We need good gospel tools. We need to teach people how to engage in spiritual conversations, turn conversations around uh, by questions, using good stories, that sort of thing. Uh, There's skills that are involved here, and I think we do need equipping. Um, And I think we need equipping in apologetics. It's a very important thing. Sometimes there's barriers to people coming to faith is things that they've got, questions, like why is there so much suffering in the world or things like that. And if you can explain that, that barrier goes, and then they can come to Christ. So these three things are really important. Gospel tools, conversational approach, and apologies. Now we can do some, some training on like that. Who would be interested in being more equipped to be, to be better at your mission as a church? Who, who would be? Give, give an indication. Because if you are, we, we might be able to do something. I can talk to Pastor Sean. There's quite a few hands that are going up. But we don't want to organize something and then no one turns up. Do you know what I mean? If it's in your heart and you're saying, you know what? I want to do this. Then you make the effort. To, to learn how to do some of these things because there are some good skills that can be uh, uh, you know, utilised and learned. The bottom line is that we need this, don't we? Because all the talk in the world does nothing. We need some action. But that starts with me. It starts with you. Get out your phones. No, no, no. Where does that start? Me and you. Amen? Because you are an ambassador for Christ. You're a royal priest called to minister. That's exciting, yes. but it also carries that responsibility with it. Amazing how all the parts of the service have fitted in today, hasn't it? Everything, that, that the communion message, the, the other messages that came through yes. prophetically, and, and the message this morning, amazing. God's like that though, isn't he? Yes. Right. I'm going to pray to finish this morning, but just before I do, I want to provide you with one... I, I, Um, opportunity for action we went out who who has a a volunteer with ACL by the way is there any other ACL volunteers Australian Christian Lobby you are there's a few of us around but they're giving out one million Bibles at the moment Uh, the book sorry not Bibles the book of John Um, now we were out yesterday giving them out but I contacted ACL and I said can I share a gospel when I'm going out doing this as well like uh, giving them a summary of the message of the book that we're giving out and they're like yeah give it a go and let us know how it goes (laughs) Because most people were just e- either putting it in a letterbox or the knocking on a door and saying, hey, here's a gift of, of the Book of John for you." But I tell you what it was just so really easy to the because Rock you gave me Christian to Church podcast. Saying, hey, to be notified Christmas when the next episode is available. Subscribe on our website Are you
1: in it? at the. It.
0: Oh, thank you very much. Say, also what you we're doing is um, if you're with with what's in there, summary, the Rock we've got a we can show you. We hope you have been now, blessed and and we look forward to the next episode. The the, the G7 app's in 18 different languages, right? And My area is very multicultural. And so I'm like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Chennai. Oh, do you speak Tamil? Yes. I've got an app in Tamil. Really? (laughs) The the guy in Malayalam. You've got something in Malayalam? (laughs) Yep. Seriously, let me show you. Tell you what, it opens up opportunities for the gospel. But anyway, I was going out with a friend of mine. This is why I'm saying it's an opportunity. Um, We have only got 24 days until we leave for New Zealand for three months. And we're packing up our entire house. And i got... An insane amount of things to do on my list. Um, and I've still got more Bibles to give out, and I was just going to get my kids to go and just put them in the letter boxes, because we've done what we can so far. But my friend who went out with me, said, I'd love to carry on doing this, but I want someone to come with me. If you want to go with them, there's an opportunity for you. And it's really easy evangelism. You smile at the door, you say, hey, here's a free gift for you, and he'll do most of the talking. But if you want to sort of learn how to do this, he'd love to mentor you. Come and see me after the service. There's, there's, there's a point of action. One thing you can do, but there's so much things you can do. You can give out cards and tracks and learn how to use the G7. Hey, got this new app on learn the church. Can I show you? Boom, you're into sharing the gospel. If we really want to, if our heart's there, we'll make it happen. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this series this month on, on reaching out. Lord, I thank you. It's so humbling when we read those verses that we're a special people. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a a people belonging to you, ambassadors for you, heirs of Christ, new creations in Christ. But Lord, they also carry that responsibility with them as well. And Lord, we want to step into that responsibility. We want to use our, our lives and make them count for you. We want to represent you well in this world. And we want to be the best that we can be at representing you. It's our heart, Lord, and I pray you'd increase our heart, increase the commitment in our heart to that. This is not an easy thing for any of us, but God, I pray that you would move upon our heart and do something special this morning. Touch our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that our lives would never be the same and that for the rest of our lives, be committed to all that you've called us to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.